Hello and welcome to After the Sermon, a Bethany podcast where we have the privilege of digging deeper into our Sunday messages. I am Tammy DeLau and today I'm joined with Pastor David Baxley, Pastor Steve Musto. We are marching through Ephesians. Yes. Um, it is it is hard to not see this just as a list of things to do, a Nike commercial, just do it. Yeah. You are doing Ephesians 5 starting at verse 3. So yeah. we are... And going through seventeen, but correct? we're getting we're getting to the controversial stuff. This yes, is this are. is what yeah. you tune in for. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. So we're uh, this is where the rubber meets the road, and it gets fun. Right? Yeah, we're <laughs> I, we're going to talk about um, men and women and children mm-hmm. and um, slavery next week. Yep. Yep. Uh, and this week we're talking about greed and sexual immorality and the yeah. definitions of those. And, mm-hmm. uh, so we're getting a little, we're getting a little spicy. Yeah, we are getting good. a little spicy. Yeah. So I'm going to start reading. Yeah. Okay, here we go. But sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not even be heard of among you as it is proper for saints. Obscene and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable, but rather giving thanks for know and recognize this. Every sexual, immoral, or impure, or greedy person who is an idolater does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty arguments, for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. Therefore, do not become their partners. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, testing what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in the foolish works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Everything exposed by the light is made visible. For what makes everything visible is light. Therefore, it is said, get up, sleeper, and rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of the time. Because the days are evil, don't, so don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so this is part three mm-hmm. of the walking. Mm-hmm. So we had um, uh, walking in unity as yeah. a church. And uh, Chase last week is uh, talking about walking uh, by putting on the new self. Mm-hmm. You, you take off and you put on. Mm-hmm. And then this week is uh, walking uh, as a God imitator, mm-hmm. as someone who wants to do uh, what God would have them do, wants to believe what God would have them mm-hmm. believe. And um, I will, so I'll add this just before we jump in for anybody who sees this before the message, this is going to be kind of a PG 13 message because we're going to talk about sexual immorality. So um, just in general, like our services are never for, for children in, you know, like I, it's okay if some of them are in there. I just always feel bad Mm -hmm. when there are kids in our service. Like, why would you, why would you want to listen to me if you're seven years old? You know, my goodness, go go with your peers and learn about Jesus in an environment that's suitable for you. But um, I realize that there are going to be kids in there. And so parents, grandparents just have to make a decision because um, we're not going to pull any punches. No, because this message needs to be heard. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to, yeah. So sexual immorality, we'll talk about uh, same sex uh, issues. We'll talk about, um, 
you know, what constitutes immorality and what is not. So, um, so there you go. Okay. I know something that we have talked about the three of us and even in our service development team is where do we get our definition of sexual immorality? Yeah. Yeah. That's the, well, the, the crux of this is being a God imitator is if, if we are going to, um, if we're going to define, if we're going to live in a definition, if we're going to live our lives, <clears throat> we, we're, we needed to be able to define those things based on a standard. And most of us, um, we define how we live based on a lot of different things, mm-hmm. but we should always be looking to God for his definition of right. things, uh, how we live and especially the really important things. So, um, for instance, if I say, what is cheating? we would go, you know, a lot of us would go to the, well, is it really cheating? Like if I'm taking advantage of someone who has way more than I do, if I'm taking advantage of a large company, is that actually cheating? Well, I don't, you know, and we have these like little things that we do that we make allowances for based on what? Based on our own experience, based on what we've heard from other people, based on media we've consumed, based on, well, who cares about any of those things? It's what God decides. God says, I, I hate when um, your weights and measures are, are off. I, I hate when you try to cheat each other. Mm-hmm. I hate that. Mm-hmm. Be honest. That's what honesty is. That's the only definition. It doesn't matter whether somebody has a lot or a little or it's a company or whether the company is, you know, doing evil things or not. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. God says, this is how I want you to live. So the, this is the definition that we live by but where we get our definitions of things like morality is often just, we kind of pick them up as we go or worse. We get them from a place like Hollywood Mm -hmm. that teaches us, this is what being moral Mm -hmm. means. And I think what happens, a lot of these are subtly spoken to us. Mm -hmm. We don't even realize um, the messages and the narratives that are there. I, I, I was in my late twenties when I realized I had a view of what a healthy relationship looks like. And it went all the way back to this first movie I watched as like a 16 or 17 year old is, is called Jerry Maguire. And if anybody's seen that movie, most people haven't seen it anymore because it's so old. But I remember I had this misconception of what a healthy thing looked like. And even my own marriage of how to, how to talk to each other, engaging each other, going all the way back to how romance was presented in this movie. Mm -hmm. It had redefined health Mm -hmm. to me and I never knew it. Mm -hmm. And it's so subtle. I know that's exactly right. Mm -hmm. We don't even, and I, I think that's important to say because I think most of us say, well, no, I've defined this or I've, I've read the Bible. I don't, we, I don't think we realize how much these other, all the medias that we take in define things for us before I ever read that verse in the Bible and how much I am reading that verse through that filter instead of interpreting what I just watched in that movie through a filter of the Bible. And the order of that determines whether we're being an imitator of God or an imitator of the world around us. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And so he, he is going after, um, Paul leaves no doubt in the, the list that you read, Tammy, that he's not just talking about one kind of sexual immorality. So he's using, there are four different words that he uses, Greek words that basically covers every kind of thing you can possibly imagine. Obscene, a sexual immorality, impurity, obscene, 
and foolish talking, crudeness, uh, all of these things in, in English are, are, have their counterpart words in Greek. Mm -hmm. And this covers pretty much everything. So this is not just telling dirty jokes. This is or not just sex outside, outside of marriage. Sex outside of marriage. It's it's more than that. It mm -hmm. it covers the whole gamut of things, and the question is, well, what is that? And and uh, but this is Paul's leaving no room for anybody to say, yeah, but God wasn't talking about that. I mean, he he didn't really give us a definition for that. No, he did. Okay. And the, these are we're going to talk about God's definition. So uh, of is these there, words. is there a progression in these words or not really? Uh, not necessarily. A, you mean in terms of like, like moving if, you to start, severity? if you start, if you have crude joking, yeah. it's going to lead to sexual immorality. Well, that's, that's the idea behind it mm -hmm. is this is the reason why crude and coarse joking uh, is not allowed. Mm -hmm. And, and Paul doesn't really unpack this, but the idea behind it is, uh, when you give, when you accept that mm -hmm. into your life, it becomes normative. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like, um, it's sort of like, you know, a, a wild raccoon comes to your, your back porch and, and you feed it. And then it comes back the next night and you feed it. And little by little, this wild raccoon comes back all and then they bring family members, other raccoons. And now you're feeding like all these raccoons. And finally someone comes over to your house after like months and they're like, Whoa, wait, what is going on? Mm -hmm. And you go, Oh, I didn't realize that this, I didn't think about it, that this was odd or that this was mm -hmm. different than what other people do. He feeds raccoons. I was just house. feeding raccoons. <laughs> just I had like no idea. <laughs> Never fed a raccoon okay, <laughs> on <I'm> purpose. <laughs> like I had no idea mm -hmm. that the, this was strange. Why? Because we've, we've embraced this and accepted it into our, our world and it has become normative okay. to us. And the same thing happens with, with anything. Mm -hmm. The things that we say, you know, how many times have we looked at something in, in the rearview mirror and go, wait a minute, how did this, how did I allow this? How did this become okay in my world? So it's so easy to read these things and think, okay, I'm going to put my TV in a closet. Yeah. I'm never going to go to Marcus theater again, which is a problem, mm -hmm. but I totally understand why legalism happens because it feels easier to put a, a hedge around it than to. Right. Okay. S right. And so we'll talk about that a little bit in the message. When we, when we put a hedge around it, that's the easy thing to do. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it can be an answer in some situations, yeah. mm -hmm. right? So you have, I, I would agree. You have somebody who is an alcoholic, for mm -hmm. instance. The answer is not, well, I carry around, a, you know, a flask of whiskey with me wherever I go as a reminder to. No, 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 no. You do not do that. Yeah. Do not do that. You stay yeah. as far away from it as possible. You don't allow in your home. Yeah. You don't go into bars. You don't go into places that trigger you. So yeah, there's wisdom in that. Mm -hmm. That's not the answer to everything. And unfortunately, for a long time, we made it an answer to, ev to every possible scenario. I just cut that scenario out of my life. And I'll talk about some of those from my own life uh, in the message. You know, there's an underlining theme here. He doesn't say it directly, but it really is the heart. I'm taken back to First Peter when he said, you know, as obedient children, be holy in all you do. 
Like it's that same idea that Paul's saying as dearly loved children imitate God. Mm-hmm. What is that? What is the driving motivation for how we make that decision? What is the driving a reason I'm going to cut something off or put up a boundary or whatever extreme we want to say or not? Um, is it driven by, cause I, I, I want to be representative of the God that loves me yeah, and he has loved me. I want to love him. I want to be holy as he is holy. I, I just wonder if that's not, we don't often come to the conversation of how do I love God well with my life? Where the question we're often asking is what can I do or not do? What can I get away with? And I'm, even as a, a 41 year old, when we ask that question, I'm reminded of like 14 year old David. And I remember the first time, and my 15 year old David, I guess this time had my first girlfriend and my dad was, and I were in the car together. And he's like, all right, you got your first girlfriend. And I kissed her and he's like, all right, you had your first kiss. Son, what are your standards? What are your boundaries to keep this relationship God honoring? And all I could say was, well, I just know that thing over there is wrong. Right. Right. I just knew that I wasn't, I wasn't supposed to have, have sex with her. Mm-hmm. And in my 14 year old brain, I was trying to calculate how close to Z how close get. I could get to there mm-hmm. without that being the sin, because it was a rule that I had defined my relationship with God by instead of purity or holiness yeah. or, and how do, and how do, how do we, how does what Paul says here? So every time I read it, it pierces me should not even be heard among you. Yeah. You know, so now I just bring that to David's life. What would it look like? Would someone say sexual morality? Uh, what would it look like to say it could even be heard among you? Like couldn't even be considered that that would be mm-hmm. somehow a part of your mind, part of your life and the evidence that we see. That's a different conversation than what are the things I got to get rid of so I don't sin. Yeah. So I don't break that rule. Yeah. Uh, and that, that well, and that's then- what's keeping us maybe from a healthier version of this conversation. Right. I wonder if sometimes the, here's the line, I don't want to cross the line even becomes about myself because I did it as opposed to like, what, like you were saying, what honors my God, what, what serves my God. And you know what, unless you are the most extremely self-disciplined person that will never, that won't work. Mm-hmm. It just, it won't work. Mm-hmm. I meet with people all the time and, and what do we find that rule over here when I was just trying to make sure I don't obey that rule that rule doesn't, doesn't really create a standard because, because I'm more like making a rule that I know I'm supposed to have. It's not an ownership of my heart for how I want to live and who I want to be. And so when I get close to that rule, then opposing narratives that we talked about come into our minds. And so as long as rules are, are the rule, if rules are the reason I think we're going to struggle. Yeah. Uh, Fail. Yeah. Yeah. Or even fail. Yeah. And, and, um, and when we just put up all these things to not fail, I, I even at the end of the day, if it's just, so I don't do that one thing. So well, our, I think we're missing what Paul's trying to tell us. So what I think I hear you saying is if rules are a reason, it's not good. We're going to fail. We're going to blow it. If our reason is to love our father so much that we want to imitate him, we have a fighting chance of not making these choices. Verse 17 is Paul's advice. Don't be foolish. Understand oh, what God's will is. That's great. What what is what does God want you to what do? Does God want us. Yeah. Don't be foolish. Yeah. Because what's the opposite of mm-hmm. of doing God's will, of what the Lord's will is? Foolishness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's foolishness. Mm-hmm. So so good. Steve. Don't be foolish. Um, that sounds it, easy. It well it <laughs> it it is okay. easy in the sense that. 
God's not trying to trick us. And he lays things out clearly for us. We're the ones who do gymnastics to try to get around yes. what God has laid out for us to do. That's what 14 year old David was doing. I, sure. I was doing gymnastics in my mind. Yeah. So why do we do that? Why do we get as close to the fire as humanly possible? And then we're so surprised when we're burnt. Cause we want to, okay. that's right. I mean, I had, why, why did, why this is the beginning of all sin. Mm-hmm. Eve wants mm-hmm. not just the knowledge of, of good, good and evil. She sees that the fruit is pleasing to the eye. Mm-hmm. It looks like it tastes good. Mm-hmm. And so she eats it mm-hmm. and gives some to Adam. And Adam's like, you know what? You're right. This does look good. We sh- I should eat this. So it's both got this benefit supposedly, and it looks really enticing. Mm-hmm. Nothing has changed. Everything that is laid out for us that pulls us away from the will of God is the same thing. It looks really good. Mm-hmm. And supposedly it's going to meet a need in us. If I just do this, if I just stop doing this, if I just... Mm-hmm buy into this, if I just, whatever it is, then this need in me is going to be met. So I, we spent a lot of time on the sexual immorality piece, but greedy is one of the other, other things. There's a reason why, like most of us, Mm -hmm. when we see someone, um, a professional athlete, uh, a CEO of a major company, whatever it is. And we hear that they made a hundred something million dollars this year. All, the rest of us go, I'd quit. I'd quit. Like, why would you keep going out onto the football field and mm-hmm. get CTE and all this stuff? Mm-hmm. If you, well, I would quit if I were you, mm-hmm. uh, are you kidding? A hundred million dollars. But there's something that drive the, something happens when you start to accumulate that uh, does not allow you to turn off this, all you want, greed is self-propagating. All it wants is more. It's an addiction that can't be satisfied. It cannot. Mm-hmm. And no matter what you do, greed will always say a little more, a little more, a little more, a little more. And it'll always push that, that narrative in your mind. So you say, if we were to define it, we would say, well, how much money would be enough for us? Like $10 million and I'd call it quits. They make, te- somebody makes $10 million and they're like, you know, what's better than 10 million, 20 million. Okay. It, because they can't stop. That's that definition mm-hmm. of enough has been thrown to the wind. The, and the, I think the other problem with greed is that we often define, we associate greed with those that are making a hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. We associate greed with those that make, mm-hmm. seem to bank the most money and can use it however they want. Mm-hmm. And Paul's, Paul's not writing to the, just the rich. He is writing to the poorest of the poor and the richest of the rich and everyone in between. He's writing to slaves as we'll find yeah, out. Yeah, that's week. right. Writing to slaves as well because. And challenging them with not being greedy. And I, if you want to talk about uh, cultural influence lying to us about greed, I think one of the ways cultural influence lies to us about greed is that if you don't have as much as that person, then anything you want is not greed. They're the greedy ones. Right. If, if I, you know, if I have a, 
if, if I make a thousand dollars a month and they make a hundred thousand dollars a month, then they should be the one that have to make sacrifices. I should be able to accumulate more and more until I at least am matched with them. Yeah. They're the greedy ones that keeping me from this money. And we never self-evaluate to say, but God's given me this. What am I to do with it yeah. for him? Mm-hmm. We've allowed the world to say, no, until you have the comforts you want, and the freedoms you want with your money like they do, you don't have to consider that your own morality of money could be flawed. See, I think we've added a narrative to that. I think you're absolutely right. Okay. I think we've added a narrative, which is until not only until I make as much as they do, yep. I don't have to do anything. It is we should take away from them. I, yes, I think we've added we should that take narrative. some things away from them mm-hmm. so that everybody then and, and give some of their money to people like me. Yeah. Why, why do they get that much? Shouldn't I, don't I deserve so that I should yeah. catch up with, yeah. with where they are. Yeah. This, and you know, in a, in an economic system, this is socialism and whatever. And that's just, that's just economics that none of that matters. Yeah. What matters is the heart behind it that says, no, God is not the one who chooses to give to different people. Uh, these people have a lot because they're bad people mm-hmm. and now, and they shouldn't have that. And so let's punish them mm-hmm. by take, not even giving any thought to the idea mm-hmm. that God might be involved in what they have in what they have. And, and we've wow. defined, yeah. And never giving thought to the fact that I want what they want yeah. is my own form of greed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That demanding that I should have yeah. and take for myself because I want certain things and to be comfortable, uh, even that narrative will throw the narrative. It's not fair. You attack that really well a couple of weeks ago, challenged that idea. This is the same thing, but we've justified, I'm going to say middle-class greed. Mm-hmm. We've justified middle-class greed because of a secular narrative, not a biblical one. So, I, so you're saying this is like the verse that talks about get the log out of your own eye before you take the speck out of your brother's kind of thing. When it comes it's to more, uh, it's more, it's more uh, you know, it's tied to coveting. It is. There's yeah. a reason why God warns the Jealousy. Israelite people about mm-hmm. coveting. I mean, yeah. think about all the things God's top 10 list. He's got, mm-hmm. he's got t- 10 yes. things that he, he are, formed the core of the Mosaic law. And one of those things is I don't look over at my next door neighbor's donkey tent and go like, <laughs> Hey, Oh man, his tent is so much nicer than my tent. I wish I had that too, because of where it leads. And He's got leave- a three camel garage. I need <laughs> <laughs> three camel garage. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Steve is totally all about the tent. <laughs> so then, there was a, a phrase. I need, need to find the verse. But what I hear you saying then is, Thanksgiving is super important. Then, yeah. So and and he says. Um, Verse four, verse four, obscene, mm-hmm. foolish talking or crudging are not suitable, but what's the answer? Giving Rather thanks. Give thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Giving thanks. Mm-hmm. So uh, here, I've been thinking about this because this is hard. Why is, why is giving thanks the antidote to like dirty jokes or uh, your mind being in the gutter all the time? You know, I remember sitting in, in church, in um, youth group, whatever it was. And occasionally the pastor, the speaker would say something and as teenage boys, they would use a word and we would laugh, you know, at that word because it had some sort of connotation Mm -hmm. to it. And I still am very aware of this when I teach that we got, 
we got teenage mm-hmm. girls and boys in the room. And I, I, you know, just, you know what? It's not just the teenagers. Mm-hmm. We got adults out there too, who've allowed their minds to go down a road where this is the first connotation they think of when they hear someone use a word or a phrase or whatever, and they, they, giggle. they go right there mm-hmm. in their minds. They go right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the antidote, actually, let me say this. We've lifted this up as a valuable thing. What's the number one funniest joke to come out of the office? The TV show, the office, what, what's come out of it? That's what she said. Mm-hmm. The sex joke. Mm-hmm. It's the, it, it's on t-shirts. It's what's on everybody. Mm-hmm. And you, you, we say it, Christians say it mm-hmm. and it's got a sexual connotation to it. That's the whole point yeah. is that it's got a sexual connotation to it. Mm-hmm. And we just go, isn't that funny? The antidote to this, Paul says, is not purifying your mind. He says it's giving thanks. Why? One of the major reasons, because sex is built and designed by God, like God stood at his workbench and built this thing called sex, this beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. And we should be way more thankful for it than we, we are. To, to thank God that that exists, to thank God that he put boundaries around it because outside of God's boundaries, it is the most damaging thing we have on this earth. We should be thanking God for that. We should be grateful to God for that. When we hear, instead of hearing something and going, ah, you know what that means, uh-huh, there should be something in us that goes, oh God, thank you for that gift. What a wonderful gift that is. Mm-hmm. This serves as an antidote. The, the, the idea that I can have um, a depth of intimacy and relationship with Kathy that I don't have with anybody else, I'm so grateful to God for that. Mm-hmm. And that should really be the fruit that comes out of these kinds of, uh, of things and not just um, letting our minds go to a dark place. So if we add to that... Uh, and building from what you just said, because I agree with everything you just said, it, it's interesting that Paul connects sexual morality and greed. Yep. Because both of them are like core things in our lives. A lot of us desire different things, but mo- almost about all of us yeah. are wrestling with sexual desire and financial desire. Desire yes. intimacy. Yeah. Desire. We, we it like, like God has wired us for the, like you just described this beautiful thing. And so we are contending against probably two of the most powerful driving desires in our mind and our body that we are constantly being told we have an internal desire by wired in us for them and the, and a secular narrative that keeps saying, validate that, validate that desire, experience it, whatever will meet your desire whether it's money, whether it's uh, multiple partners, whether it's defining your own sexual identity, if defining your own sexual morality, whatever this is, you can define all of these instead of coming back. And where thanks is the antidote to that is I thank God for what he's designed and given me for the wife he's given me. 
for the spouse he's given me. I, I, I thank God for the, for the, for the gifts or the jobs he's given for the home I have. I, I, uh, I try to, when, when I walk out of my home in the morning, I'm going to have time with God. One of the things I try to remind myself of is just to thank God for what I see in that room around me, because I want to just stay grateful for those things. Yeah. That, that is a thing that helps me from covetousness and greed. But I, so I think, I think giving thanks is, is the, it's the reminder of everything you just said, but it's also the, the antidote against the desires consuming us for what we think will satisfy and what we don't have. When I give thanks, I realize, uh, the, the spirit is working in that to, to, to create a, a God given satisfaction with what he is, has and where he has me that doesn't come outside of giving thanks. It's why we have a whole holiday dedicated to this. Mm. We, we, we preach this around Thanksgiving, but then we go on uh, and go shopping the next day for everything we don't have. But right. like, this is the core tension we're wrestling with. So we only have probably six minutes left, but I'm sitting here thinking <laughs> of our single friends that God has called into yeah. singleness. Um, those that struggle with same sex attraction and have decided to to honor their God, they are not going to pursue an intimate relationship. And we're saying, God's created you this way. This is what you're supposed to want. Mm. It's huge desire. They're feeling stuck right now. How do we speak to them? Yeah, that's a, that's, I think there's twofold in that. I I think we recognize though God has created this thing. We also recognize that all of our interactions with God given desires are in a world that is contending against God's design because of both, because of sin. Uh, and you know, when I've talked to some of my friends in the same place, you know, one of the things that we're wrestling down is the effect and the corruption of sin that can, may keep us from our desires. And we all encounter this in various ways. It's, it's, um, I think one of the deceptions we often feel, we often are told by the world around us. Um, and we're continuing this, that all, <laughs> Married people will tell you this, you, you get engaged, you can't wait to get married because then all your desires are going to be fulfilled. Right. And then you get married and you're like, ah, oh, crap, this is not fulfilling all my desires. Why? Because sin, wherever your station is in life, where, where God has you, uh, single or even widowed. I mean, there's people that are widowed yes. that, 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 that are, and people that, uh, for various situations, even if they're married, can't have sex. Mm-hmm. Like, of, I mean, like not all married people illness. are out there having sex whenever they want. I mean, there are right. so many things going on in this world. And it, when we focus on how do I get that desire met versus recognizing, man, I am contending in this world around me, but God has created me and called me with a divine purpose that I can still find satisfaction in. And I, th- and, and giving thanks to God, thank you for this calling it for there is power and beauty in multiple stages of life, even outside of same sex attraction, people that are struggling with that. Even there's, there, there's single people that are going to be single, leave it that desire what even could be right there in front of them. But God said, this is the life I've called for you. And how do we even contend in any of these situations? It's, it's a, I think there it's a giving thanks and recognizing God has placed me here. I want here. I desire here. The desires aren't always inherently wrong. Just like a desire for a bigger house isn't inherently wrong, but this is where God has put me to. How do I see what God wants in this moment? I think beginning to give thanks to Paul is talking about that. Uh, But there's also then saying, so in light of that Lord and come back to verse 17, what is your will for my life now in where you have put me? So Paul links sexual immorality and greed with idolatry in verse five. Oh, there you go. And so idolatry gonna, yeah. is what? It's taking a good mm. thing and making it the ultimate thing. Oh, that's good. It's mm-hmm. pushing 
God off the pedestal of our lives and putting something else there. And, and what Paul understands here, what God understands is that, um, that sex is one of the things that we are most tempted to do that about. Oh, how, so good, Steve. Think about this. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that mm-hmm. is how you define yourself. That is who you are. Mm-hmm. You are a follower of Christ. That mm-hmm. is your identity. identity. Mm-hmm. But what does the world say your identity is? Your sexuality. That's right. You, that's who you yeah. are. Yeah. Why? Because we've placed mm. our sexuality on the mm. pedestal of the world mm-hmm. uh, and, and of our lives. We've said, this is, this is the God we worship. Yeah. And if you are not true to your sexuality, you're not really a person. Mm-hmm. And so we've made a good thing, the ultimate thing. Mm-hmm. And that is why this thing is, is linked to, uh, so idolatry is the most hated sin in all of the old Testament. It's the thing that Israel yeah. can never defeat. Mm-hmm. They're fighting it all the way to the mm. end. And we are too. We are just in a different way. Yeah. We're not worshiping Baal anymore or Molech or any of those guys. We're, we're worshiping other Our things. Self, I, I was, uh, last week I was at um, UWL with some other uh, church leaders and pastors at a question panel. And of all the questions we got, the, we had the most questions we got were, were in various forms questions about defining sex morality and sexual identity. Mm. The topic, the top thing, and then on their mind is asking this question. And there's a duality to that. It's because of how that is the most aggressive opposing narrative mm-hmm. to Christ's call in their life that they get. And then because of that, they're battling desires saying, well, are my desires wrong? Are my desires good? What is it like? How do I know? And that's why this this message is is such an important um, message to come against. And as we were talking about this on the panel, we came back kind of what you said, Steve, and, and asked the question: What is the, what is the first goal end of our lives? Is it to find uh, um, what we can do, or is it to find who we're called to live for? Mm-hmm. And if if we come back that I was created by a, by the Creator God with a divine purpose that he has put on my life and but that purpose is for him instead of for me when i when i believe that i accept which is echo throughout the bible right this is we were chosen people called by god created with purpose for his pleasure to bring him glory this is what it means to be a christ follower when we start that is our foundation the way we start asking the second questions the next questions they change but when we don't believe that that's the primary and that when that when when we're when being imitators of God because we're now his loved children and his family, which Paul spent three chapters trying to help us understand the significance of that, yeah. we won't understand why we're having the conversation we're having right now. Yeah. You realize what we've done as a society and where, where we are now. The reason you got so many of those questions um, is because we we've developed a litmus test and it goes like this. I know what I think about this topic. And right now the topic is sexuality and it has been for a long time. I know what I think and I know what I believe to be right now. I want to join a church family that agrees with me. I want to, I want to cast God in the light of whatever it is my belief about sexuality is. So I'm using my own narrative to define God. And for some people, that is, I am not going to follow a Jesus unless he dresses in 
all white and has a, uh, <laughs> a hat on and, you know, looks like a uh, Jewish rabbi and uh, is looks down on, on people a little bit. I mean, you know, loves people, but looks down and, and is very stern and is very strict. And, and, and other people are like, I'm not following Jesus unless he wears makeup and a feather boa. And we have made Jesus in our image. We have made our God in our, and based on the image that we want to see instead of, and this is the point of the message yes. saying, God, open-handed, what is your, view on that. What do you, how, what do you want me to believe? What is your Who are yeah. you? Mm-hmm. And then let me figure out how to live and navigate this world mm-hmm. that we're in because it's a difficult thing to do. Wow. So, so ultimately then when we talked about Thanksgiving being an antidote, Thanksgiving that we have a God who can answer those questions yeah. is where the ultimate Thanksgiving needs Praise to Praise God that he doesn't leave us guessing. He gives mm-hmm. us the answer. I would add, add to that though, because this is so important. And this is why I run into all the time. We have a good God mm-hmm. that actually, it, he's not right just because he's right. He's right because he's good and being created by him. What he is saying is good for us. Mm-hmm. It is not just a God that will tell us what to do. It's a good God that created us with with uh, a divine purpose that when he's telling us what to do is because that will satisfy us. Yes. That will meet joy. That desires. will fulfill those desires. Yes. If we would only be willing to submit ourselves to him in that process. Right. Wow. Well, this is good guys. I think we've gone over. So next week you are bringing us the message, right, yeah. David, yeah. and you will be in uh, wrote it down, Ephesians, Ephesians six, six. Uh, five through nine. Okay. Little, so, little section, a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. There you go. So read ahead, study that. Thank you for joining us. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.